You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Met fellow adventurers once again. I am continuing Proving Ground 6, The Elder Throne, and I'm doing The Path to Cardson, Part 1. The conclusion of the previous part. In the back of your cave, you find the familiar, black, pulsing vortex that has time and again faithfully borne you to and from the perilous shores of Sargard. You linger for a few minutes before the portal listening intently to the sounds of the forest outside. He could hear anything that suggests your companions are nearby. When it becomes apparent you are alone, you quickly decide that your best course of action is to return to Trind Keep. Taking one final look around at the, glo- the gloomy, gloomy interior of the cave, you step towards the swirling portal. Just like that, then? A voice from behind you. Barely above a whisper startles you, causing your heart to skip a beat. You spin around to confront whoever it is at your back, but no one is there. Here. His voice this time is to your right, louder, clearer, and instantly recognisable. Turn to find yourself face to face with Owl. The Master Thief regards you with a suspicious, unfriendly gaze. I nearly gave up on you, he says. Your friend, the Sorceress, did give up. But to be fair, Sid way around here for the better part of two days. Confused, you ask Al what he means. You never arrived here with us, he says, still regarding you with obvious suspicion. The caster said that you were lost. The attempt to teleport the three of us was too bold. We appeared right outside the cave, as you said we would, but you never did. You've been gone five long days, friend. It's put us in a bit of a rough spot. And now, this crouch disclosing much of anything about the four grim visions you experienced while being teleported. You craft an account of your trial, starting at the exact moment Jorio began to summon her magic, concluding with your human with owl, a dark hollow at the back of this hidden cave. The master thief quickly apologised for what he said previously. As precious little time as there is, he says. This is delay has cost us more than we might be able to afford. That's put me a bit on edge. Well, it's wrong, wrong for me to find fault with something out of your control. The sorceress might have been able to save us a long trek. Apparently she had matters more urgent elsewhere. We'd best not waste any more time, though, as it may already be too late. Owl tolls tells you he fears for the safety of the Wapple and Cardson. She fears much of what Timifra, one of the two sister sorceresses you encountered on Shrile Island, might said might indeed prove to be true. Unless we're able to get the code contained in the journals back to Cardson, there's much point in any of this, he says. The battle we hope to bring to the Grand Century dies infantry, and with it, 
the hope of a city, the hope of a city long held under its, under a black spell. Recording, recording Pratt Al's previous words following Thane Mazabak. Withhold your judgment of the Thane. All three bear bear the marks common to a particular calamity year, from years back. This I have heard, and this I choose to believe. Sinister and seeped in mystery through the mass they might see. I do not doubt that he stands closer to our wanks than those of our enemy. To are able to pierce together what his purpose on the isle is, and what and has been, we should not concern ourselves with it. We must assume he's combating the long arm of our enemy. There were those in his court who dutifully kept me apprised of events. You ask the thief what it is he knows or surmises regarding the masked vein, the two masked sorceresses, and the connection between Carson and Stalingrad Isle. They're quite connected, he says, his shrewd eyes staring fiercely down the length of his crooked nose. Somewhere on the isle is a massive quantity of this. He once again produces several shards of raven bone, holding up the fragmented mineral pieces for you to see. It began months ago, just a series of faint whispers, passed on to me by members of the Wamble, who had infiltrated the court of the Grand Sanctuary. Six brave men hanged at their citadel gates only days after their indiscretion. The whispers led us to the coded journals, and to the plans of the Grand Sanctuary to acquire an epic load of raven bone. And for where, from where, for what purpose, we did not then know. It was plain enough now. His gaze was drawn to Sarnguard. Owl's eyes narrow, and he suddenly asks you about the ruins you explored in the bog on the jagged hills of Sarnguard Isle. The realisation he knows more about your exploits than you previously guessed instinctively causes you to assume a guarded demeanour. The master thief seems to sense your uneasiness, but nevertheless repeats his pointed inquiry, asking you specifically about the throne you found in the depths of the ruins. Once you were able to vividly recall your ornate, high-backed ashwood chair adorned with iron elades along its arms and across its side, you also remember the vision you had in the presence of the throne, a walled city with thick Looms of black smoke widening over its battlements, looms into view, taking shape amidst a vast and lust forest. Broad arcs of lightning cut across the sky above the city. Each binding flash, the towering and sinister silhouettes of three figures are plainly visible. You suddenly realise you are talking aloud and have relayed your recollection of the throne. Vision you had to Owl seems unaffected by your words, merely nods when you abruptly end your account. I've seen four others like it, he says, obviously referring to the throne. Grand wooden thrones, tucked away in remote places, each undeniably similar to the others. I can only guess with, with regard to their purpose and history. I'm certain e- neither you nor I will find the truth to be to our taste. Owl pauses and turns to gaze at the swirling portal that hovers against the back of the cave. I too saw the throne in the ruins. Pioran sent me into the bog while you were pressed with other matters. I dared not get too close to it, for I knew all too well the sinister power they harnessed. Instead, I left and returned to the keep where I found myself one afoul of some of its more dutiful guardians, and wound up in the cell in which you found me. Intrigued by Owl's tale, about four other wooden thrones he sees. See, you ask him where he found them. In a cave in the hills east and north of Gradle, he says. There's one in a hidden chamber, in a lair that can be accessed through the sewers in Trithic. There's another in Playdon, in the ruins of a tower high in the mountains. The owl falls silent and appears to be listening intently to the sounds of the forest echo through his cave. 
After nearly a minute's silence, he again speaks. His softly uttered, revelation-bearing words sent a chill the length of, length of your spine. The fourth I discovered only two years ago. In the hall of the Gand Sentry, the very chair upon which the sorcerer lords of cards and sits, is a throne of Alderwood. Your mind wheels beneath the weight of our sudden and profound revelations. You begin to ponder the connection between those whose faces are concealed behind wooden masks. They must back the Grand Century of Carson and the two sorceresses you encountered on Swile Island. In the five wooden thrones the companion claims to have discovered, it is the kindling for some sleepless nights, says Al, as he senses the sinister conclusions you're attempting to draw. I only wish I had time enough to slip into Stomos and see what sort of chair the good Fane affords his backside. Through, mind I still maintain his implications in all this is something other than what it seems. Length, it's decided that to waste any more time here is pointless, and the two of you prepare at once to resume your trek to Cardson. It all remains hopeful. The delivery of the coded journals and a small cache of Ravenbone would be enough to allow the Wabble and its allies to defeat the magic of the Grand Century that has long held the city in its fearsome grip. As you step towards the swirling portal that hovers against the back wall of the cave, you're certainly mindful of your promise to Telebra to return to the Isle at the conclusion of this business. The words of the huntress echo clearly in her mind, as if she was speaking them over your shoulder. You must promise to return here, no matter what. I will wait for you, Zoop, no matter what befalls this place. As you follow Owl into the spinning black vortex, you promise to Telebra, again sounds in your mind, rising above the chin, the din of your churning thoughts. It's a promise you pray you will be able to keep. Your return to Twins Keep via the portal, and ultimately to Trithic, occurs without incident. Less than 12 hours after departing the source of Shangard, you find yourself lurking in the shadows near the city's main gates. Violates of the curfew, as you and Owl prepare to slip out of the Elderstone under the cover of night. The arrival of a small caravan of wagons, occupants eager to find themselves behind the walls of the Witherport, provides enough distraction to the guards to allow you and Owl to make your exit without being seen. The stable at the back of a ramshackle inn not far from, from the city, Owl procures two horses, leaving a pouch of gold in each of their places to greet their owners in the morning. Punishable by death, you know! He says, casting a wide glance in your direction, as the two of you lead your newly acquired steeds onto the winding road that wanders south of Twithick. With a starless and broken ceiling of muddled black high above, and a chill wind sweeping out of the north, whispering less than friendly sediments at your back, you and our embark on your first leg of the long trick trek. Carson. The first part of your journey takes you to the northern shores of Moonlire Lake, south and east of Twithick, where you and Owl make arrangement for passage aboard a barge that cross the lake, and then continue south, south on the Wither Twint toward Barrow Lock. You plan to disembark at a town called Longsward. Your plans change abruptly, only three hours into the voyage across the lake, dark, mirror-like surface of the vast lake. You're the first to spot the two Chilterwick, circling high above the drift drifting barge, against the clear blue morning sky. You quickly tell Owl, and he shakes his head and mutters something. He then has a quick word with the bar, barge master, who set us down at a town called Hawkmarsh, a mile or two south of here. He says, let's just hope our two of my keep their affections at a distance. 
No one aboard has seen them yet. Try not to draw any attention to them. Next two miles of port board the barge pass painfully slowly, more importantly, uneventfully. As the barge draws up to one of the several long piers sent out into the lake from Hawk Marsh's small harbour. You you and Owl waste no time leading your horses across the boarding plank and, across, and off the ship. The barge master attempts to repel our portion of the fare that Squeed had gone, but the master thief politely refuses. Have a safe passage, he calls over his shoulder. He takes the wains and leads the horse off the pier. You follow suit, and the two of you are once again on your way, riding south out of Hawkmarsh on a winding forest that snakes along the western shore of Moonlight Lake. The rusted gates of an ancient cemetery, no more than a mile south of town, you stop and confer with each other about what should be your next course of action. You're somewhat taken aback when Al promptly suggests you split up. It's too dangerous for us to travel together, he says, continually glancing up at the sky through the canopy of a gnarled blanches that span the road. We're too tempting a target. If those two manage to get us, and make no mistake about it, they eventually would, all hope we carry with us is gone in one fell stroke. We cannot continue together. You immediately see the sense in his argument and agree. Owl nods and strokes the neck of his horse as he pauses for a moment, apparently locked in, lo- lost in thought. When he next speaks, he tells you he will head east and south and make for the city of Trimador on the western edge of Barrow Lock. Hadn't thought of it before now, but there may be someone in Tumdor who could see their, her way to helping us, he says. It will, will sufficiently divide us, and from there I can, make a, I can make great haste to where we will again meet, Bearpath Lodge. It's a tavern and inn, something of a huntsman's abode in the hills northwest of Carson. Owl tells you the lodge is safe and its proper tier. A man by the name of Arlen is both a friend and an ally of the Wabble. Arlen describes for you the location of Bearpath Lodge, convinced you'll be able to find it with little difficulty. He then tells you the best way to, way to reach the lodge is to transverse the Pass of Mailtar, which runs south out of Thanevale and skirts the foothills of Northern Swift's tallest peak. Once you come out your pass, you know more than a day or two at most from the lodge, he tells you. I recommend you tra- travel the pass only at night, despite any whisks it might entail. It's likely to be watched by day. Your respective courses are agreed upon, and Owl wishes you luck and tells you to do whatever it takes to protect the journal you possess. He tells you he will do the same. The two of you ride on together for a couple of miles and to the road forks south and east. Owl turns his gaze along the eastern fork. I'll see you next at Bear Path Lodge within the month, he says, maneuvering his horse alongside yours and initiating a shoulder cross. Goodbye and good luck. You echo his sentiments, and with that, the two of you ride off in different directions, ultimately bound for the same destination. Your travel south proves swift and largely uneventful, resulting in what you consider to be remarkable progress towards reaching your final destination. You pass out of the hilly region to the west of Moonlight Lake and into the more heavily forested portion of the kingdom that sits just north of Thanevale, while spending a night in an inn in the town called Wild Hollow, you learn that the region for which you're travelling has recently become overrun with bandits. And even a few goblins who had boldly ventured out of their lairs in the Fudwin foothills. The, ve- the very next day, not more than ten miles from Wild Hollow, you encounter a band of four shade goblins. The vicious humanoids turn and flee upon catching sight of you. Okay, that's probably a sensible move on their part leaving you to believe they're seeking targets far easier than that which you present. Still, the encounter serves to warn you of the dangers inherent in travelling through the wilds, even on patrolled roads. 
So when you learn from a passing traveller that a regiment of border wages has recently taken up residence in an old outpost several miles to the south, decide that you will attempt to spend the night in the company of those who certainly harbour no affection for highwaymen or goblins. The distance to the outpost seems greater than that which the traveller indicated, but at last, as the shadows of late afternoon begin to deepen, he spots a stone tower standing at the white side of the road just up ahead. A long stone building extends into the overgrown clearing behind the tower. On the top of this structure, two small chimneys pump the pungent but welcoming aura of wood smoke into the crisp air. Thankful to have reached the border ranger outpost. As you ride up to the tower, you're greeted by a man clad in a leather hauberk and those busy scrape who's busy scraping a rusty scale at the bottom of a heavy iron pot. Can't hope for much of a stew with something like this, the ranger frowns, turning the pot towards you, revealing a hopelessly corroded interior. Where are you headed, friend? When it's revealed that you are the renowned adventurer Soup, the ranger puts down the iron pot and swiftly leads you to the tower, where you're brought face to face with the leader of the ranger outfit, a tall, lanky man named Yorand. Yorand bows respectfully and welcomes you to the outpost. Several of the rangers under his command step forward and meet you in shoulder crosses while telling you it is an honour to have made your acquaintance. I just hope it doesn't go badly for you. Yoran tells you that he and his regiment of rangers recently arrived here to man the outpost and attempt to rid the area of an increasing number of high women that have sprung up over the last few years. You ask the leader of the rangers about the goblins you've heard about in the Wild Hollow, and then later encounter on the road. He shakes and shrugs as if none of what you said him surprises him. Bolder by the day, he says, sighing. Won't be long till they're as common as bandits, of course. We have just a bit, bit to say about it before that comes to pass. A steaming bowl of venison stew, and several unappealing mouthfuls of strong, bitter ale. You speak at length with your wound, swapping tales of your recent exploits, the stories about the daily battle he and his men wage, the wilds of the kingdom. When at last you're ready to turn in, you'll ask you where you'd like to sleep. There's an empty room halfway up the tower, or you can find a spot amongst the others in the long room out back, he says, stifling a long yawn. We keep a tight watch so you can rest easily tonight. The thought of a worry and restful night's sleep is more than you hoped for when the day dawned. So I've got two options. Sleep alone in the tower room or choose to sleep in the long building with the others. Now the thing is, I know these people don't particularly care if there's anyone nearby when they, when they decide to get all murdery. So it's probably safer for them if I'm alone, then if they blow up the tower, they try to blow up the tower I'm in, at least, at least they don't end up killing anyone else. And I'll probably get out in time because I'm a super adventurer. Choose to sleep alone in the tower room. You find the tower room directly off the stairwell on the third floor of the tower. The unoccupied room directly off the stairwell on the third floor of the tower. The door is ajar and you step into a, into a small chamber and discover a small pile of fur blankets and several large sacks stuffed with leaves. While you're arranging the makeshift bed, eagerly anticipating the deep sleep you hope to fall into, you spot a small iron-blanded wooden chest tucked away into a shadowy corner of the room. You open the chest and you examine the chest and discover it is not lost. Well, obviously I'm going to open it. I mean, it's a The Adventurer Code. Inside the chest, you find a small collection of crudely stepped maps, sketch maps which have no conceivable use. However, at the bottom of the grey pouch, you discover a small number of gold tokens 
and a sparkling sapphire amulet. The large sapphire, surrounded by the thick, by a thick frame of gold, seems to perpetually sparkle. Alright, I admit this is kind of stealing, but I would have taken them. You quickly take possession of the gold tokens and sparkling amulet. That's 12 gold tokens and a sparkling sapphire amulet. It's got 2 MR, 2 SP, so it's really, really rubbish compared to what I had, but really that's to be expected. This gold amulet, the centerpiece of which is a large sapphire, perpetually sparkles. Placing the mats back into the chest, you close the lid and turn your attention to getting a good night's sleep. Surprisingly comfortable lying atop the leaf-stuffed sacks and quite warm beneath the three layers of fur, you quickly drift off into a deep, peaceful slumber. So, pick a number. Bonus of 134. 19 from Feathery, 20 from Aura, 95 from Luck. So it's mostly luck. Need to get 75. 188 is a success. Break with the start. A violent tremor runs through the floor of the chamber, and a large chunk of stone falls from the wall to your left, missing your head by less than a foot. You stack to your feet, just as a thunderous blast works from somewhere outside the tower. So you gather your equipment and rush out of the womb, instinctively realising you must get out of the tower at once. Become keenly aware the, fill, the air is filled with thin, pungent yellow smoke. You bound into the spiring stairwell just outside the doors of the small chamber. Find it is filled with thick, pungent, dark grey smoke. Covering your mouth and nose as best you can, you leap down the steps just as a series of violent tremors run through the tower. Stone and dust rain down on you as you sprint across the tower's main chamber on the ground floor, desperate to escape a structure that's about to collapse. Pick a number. Bonus of 60. 20 from agility, 20 from body, 10 from spirit, 10 from luck. Need a hundred or more to get out in time. Failure. As you race towards the floor with 75, as you race towards the doors, you're struck glancing blows by several falling stone bricks. 15 stamina points lost and healed. Despite the injuries you've suffered during your escape, you emerge from the tower's main doors and stumble into the frigid night, grasping for air. Gasping for air, that is. Immediately, you are struck by a horrific scene unfolding in the darkness outside the outpost. A large band of cave goblins, their savage faces adorned with war paint, are assailing the outpost, rushing forward to engage the brave but outnumbered border rangers who are faithfully rallying to Yorod's call to arms. Suddenly, Yorod cries out in agony as an owl embeds itself in his thigh. Staggers out of sight into the darkness, his sword raised, and his call to arms still rising above much of the din of the waging battle. A deafening rumble from behind, coupled with a powerful tremor that runs beneath your feet, causes you to instinctively run from the tower. You glance back over your shoulder as you catch the edge of the road and watch, wide-eyed, as the stone tower collapses into a pile of smouldering rubble, sending a billowing cloud of choking dust up into the air. As you turn to make your way towards the sound of battle, you suddenly find yourself face to face with the enemy. Two sword-wielding cave goblins, their faces adorned with ghoulish patterns of white war paint, step out of the gloom and block your path. The two savage humanoids brandish their blades with an extraordinary level of skill as they leap forward and attack. Shrieking wildly with every cruel stroke, it's two painted goblin warriors. They are wielding their weapons with remarkable skill. The goblins viciously assail you, and they lay a particularly brutal stroke for seven damage. Okay, 
Brutal Stroke for 11 damage, and Slain, 7 XP. You stare down the course of your opponent as you take a moment to wipe, to wipe the sweat from your brow. A second pair of goblins emerges from the shadows and throw themselves at you in a frenzied attack. Much like the first two goblins you face, this cruel duo also appears to be master warriors. Two more painted goblin warriors. Brutal stroke for 12 damage. Brutal stroke for 9 damage. And they are slain. 7 XP. You look over the remains of your enemy as you pause to wipe the grime of battle from your face. As you step back from the goblin carcasses piled at your feet, you're suddenly confronted by three more of the vicious creatures. It's three painted goblin warriors. Wielding their weapons with remarkable skill, the goblins viciously assail you and lay a brutal stroke for 11 damage. But they're going down. Six damage stroke. And they are slain. Seven XP. You gaze down at the body of your enemy to take a moment to catch your breath. Another trio of snarling goblins emerge from the shadows, quickly surround you. As you square off against the vicious, sword-wielding creatures, you can hear Yorin's voice rising above the din of battle, tempting to rally as outnumbered and largely outmatched force. I fight three painted goblin warriors, wielding their weapons with remarkable skill. They assail me and are slain. 7 XP. You look over the corpse of your enemy to take a moment to admire your grim handiwork. With the battle still waging all about you in the smoky ruins of the toppled outpost, you're about to rush to the aid of a lone border ranger who's been engaged by three goblins when you suddenly find yourself confronted by a snarling, axe-wielding goblin warrior. Bradditing his double-bladed axe with masterful skill, the cruel, yellow-eyed humanoid leaps forward. Suddenly, the goblin draws out a smouldering earthenware vessel and hurls the deadly bomb at you. A few options here. I could dodge it, use elementalism, telekinesis, or fortification. I'll use elementalism. Failed. You're simultaneously blinded and struck deaf as the goblin bomb hits its mark, enveloping you in the cruel fury of its detonation. 35 damage. Remarkably, you survive the explosion. You painfully stagger to your feet, attempting to prepare yourself for what might follow the deadly attack that could easily have ended your life. With no sign of the goblin bomb hurler to be had, you turn to your white and quickly survey the battle that rages throughout the smouldering ruins of the outpost. You count three fallen border rangers among the dead that litter the dark, cobblestone battlefield. In the distance, visible only against the billowy column of grey smoke, you spot the hawking silhouettes of two ogres, the fearsome shapes of the two brutal creatures disappear quick, swiftly in the, in the gloom. You're about to rush forward and aid the two rangers struggling to fight their way out of a wing of sword-wielding goblins, when two of the vicious humanoids leap out of the darkness and attack. The, the axe-wielding cave goblins brandish their deadly weapons with an unnervingly high level of skill. As they swiftly close in, more painted goblin warriors, wielding their weapons with remarkable skill, goblins viciously assail me, to brutal stroke for 9 damage, and are now slain, 7 XP. You gaze down upon the body of your foe, as you pause to admire your grim handiwork. Two more armoured, painted goblins burst out of the gloom to your left and throw themselves at you in a frenzied attack. Two painted goblin warriors. They assail me, and I assail them, assailings all round. 7 XP. You look over the body of your foe, as you take a moment to admire your grim handiwork. 
three sword-wielding goblins leap out of the darkness and quickly surround you. You step forward to engage the menacing trio. The unmistakable and blood curdling cry of a fuming falling in battle reach your ears, three painted goblin warriors. Alright, I'm attacking them, and they assail me with remarkable skill. 7 XP. You gaze down upon the remains of, remains of your opponent as you pause to admire your grim handiwork. A scoblin, smaller than the other you encountered, and whose face bears no paint, steps out of the shadows and hurls a flaming earthenware vial directly at you. Immediately recognise this crude and sinewy device to be a goblin bomb. You only have a split second to act, so I can dodge, elementalism, telekinesis, or fortification. Mm, telekinesis. Succeeded. 16 XP to telekinesis. You channel your power of telekinesis and project a formidable blast of telekinetic energy a hurtling goblin bomb, striking it squarely on its nose and driving it well off its original mark. The crude but deadly explosive device strikes the ground several yards to your left and detonates, sending a shower of stone and earth raining down on you. Thankful to survive the goblin bomb, you rush towards the goblin that held it, eager to make certain you will never again be able to employ any of those crude devices. You've let's take a less than step, 10 steps in the direction of the fleeing goblin, where your pursuit is brought to an abrupt end. A towering ogre, clad in black chain, his knotted fist clamped tightly around the haft of a heavy wooden club, steps into your path and levels his fearsome weapon at your head. You rarely assume a combat-ready stance as you prepare to face the might. Face the mighty creature in a fight to the death with an armoured ogre. The chain ogre smashes at you with this spiked club. Your enemy smashes through your defences with a devastating blow for 34 damage. And then another one for 28 damage. Oh, I don't like these devastating blows. I do not like them. They're quite devastating. You have slain the foe nevertheless. Because as devastating as these blows were, they weren't devastating enough to top it from, stop it from being bashed into teeny, teeny pieces. Two spear-wielding goblins, their shrieking battle cries rising into the air, charge out of the smoky gloom and attack, begin combat. Moving their weapons with remarkable skill, the goblins viciously assail you. Brutal stroke, 14 damage. Keep bashing, keep bashing, keep bashing, and slaying. 7 XP. You look over the remains of your foe as you pause to admire your grim handiwork. Stepping away from the carnage strewn amidst the rubble at your feet, you attempt to catch your breath as you allow your gaze to wander the horrid scene of destruction that surrounds you. Nothing moves in the smouldering ruins of the outpost. The bodies of countless goblins lie scattered throughout the piles of smoking stone and charred wood. Sadly, however, you also count three ogres and six rangers among the dead. You're beginning to think that no one else is alive, but just as you're about to call out to see if there are any survivors, a chilling snarl of what's from behind. You spin fat round to find yourself facing a new and deadly menace. They said you'll be the toughest of the lot, growls the fearsome, leather-clad goblin, standing only a few yards from you. He wipes the back of his left hand on the front of his scarred jerkin, smearing a wide streak of blood across the battered piece of armour. His words confirm your sus suspicions. The vicious and highly trained band of goblins is here, seeking you. I'll have your head and the bounty that goes with it, shrieks, leaping forward and striking out at you with his broadsword. It's a painted goblin leader. 
Okay. He's the boss. The boss of these goblins. Although most of them are dead, so he's not the boss of anything now. The vicious goblin leader swipes at you with his deadly blade. Brutal stroke for 11 damage. And keep bashing and slain. 8 XP. A thick stream of blood seeps from the corner of the goblin chief's mouth. mouth as the hideous creature staggers and falls to the ground. The gruesome filler, killer draws a final ragged breath before succumbing to death. The sound of footfalls from behind sends your heart racing and you spin on your heels, prepared to face more of the sa savage humanoids, only to find Yurund approaching. The ranger leader's face is streaked with blood and sweat, and he walks with a noticeable limp. A wide gash runs the length of his white arm. Despite the nasty-looking wound, he retains a firm grip on his blood-splattered sword. There aren't any left, he says, casting his weary gaze across the scene of devastation and carnage. What's this? Spoken too soon. Three goblins emerged from a pile of smouldering rubble and cautiously advanced on Yorund. He about to rush to his side when he spot four more of the vicious creatures moving steadily through the ruins of the outpost, their shining yellow eyes fixed on you. Take them, Soup, he says, not in direction of the four. Leave the others to me, and let this be the last of them. You step forward and assume a defensive stance, defiantly challenging the goblins to continue their advance, while Yorund, knows every other step is little more than a stagger, moves to face its three encroaching foes. The four goblins snarl as they close in on you, the crude away of weaponry poised in anticipation of delivering you to the grave. Alright, I'm just going to bash these. Wielding their weapons with remarkable skill, the goblins viciously assail you. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, okay, nearly. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, very nearly done. Oh, and slain with a special attack for 71 damage. 7 XP. You stare down at the remains of your opponent. So take a moment to catch your breath. The savage cries of, of the goblins engaging your, your word reach your ears, and you spin to find the ranger leader surrounded by the fiendish painted humanoids. Without delay, you charge into the fray, positioning yourself on Yori's left flank, where you come face to face with two of its merciless assailants. Painted goblin warriors, two of them. Now, brutal stroke, and slain. 7 XP. You stare down at the body of your enemy as you take a moment to wipe the sweat from your brow. Your steps back from the bloody goblin corpse. Corpse of the goblin he's dust slain and turns to face you. His gaze seems hollow. You sense the proud warrior, Master Woodsman, struggling to fight back tears. We're all that's left, he says, his voice wavering as he stares back, smouldering. Crumbling remains of the waste outpost. These were good men, Zoop. But they weren't prepared for this. You follow the gaze back into the heart of the destroyed post and count the bodies of seven of Lord's men lying amidst the scattered stone, shattered stone and charred, splintered timbers. There were more of them, he says back towards the forest on the opposite side of the road. But there were nothing like the beasts that did this. They were the usual one of co goblindom, small, cowardly and weak. These creatures were nothing like I've ever seen. Your mind immediately turns to the leader of the painted goblins. Creatures slew only moments before meeting up with Yorud near the end of the battle. The words of that savage creature proved beyond any doubt the goblins were sent to kill you and somehow tracked you to this remote outpost, sitting along the lonely road, cutting, in, cutting through the wilds. 
deep sense of guilt rises within you. You suddenly realise this is not the first time. Those who have found themselves in your company become victims of the merciless cruelty of an enemy you have yet to see, or even completely identify. As Yoand wanders back into the centre of the ruins, folks fall upon Lao. You find yourself wondering what might have befallen him on the road to Tweedmore. As the pale light of dawn pushes its way into the sky, driving out the deeper gloom of the previous night, the scene of the wound outpost and the remnants of the brutal battle assume an even more ghoulish hue. You hope you're joined with the, with the grim task of recovering the bodies of his fallen wages. Together, you see that each man is given a separate and proper burial in the forest, Digging into the unyielding, half-frozen half earth proves painstaking, but it's an endeavour you undertake with pride and great sadness. Yoren gathers the goblin carcasses and birds them in the midst of the toppled outpost, sending a pungent column of thick black smoke billowing into the frigid and clear early morning sky. Yoren now, <laughs> with a profound limp and an accompanying grimace, makes his way over to you and manages a smile. He points up at the road to the north, and there, gazing at the tall grass at the edge of the world travelled path, three horses. The west have either bolted or lie buried beneath all that stone, he says, as the two of you set off to reclaim the steeds. These three have got to be among the luckiest horses around. As you approach the first horse, you're pleasantly surprised to find it's yours. The horse you've been riding ever since the moment it left its stable behind the Whamshackle Inn south of Twithing. It's good luck when a horse sticks with you, says Yoron. Seems genuinely pleased that you've been reunited with the animal. Mine is gone, though. A good horse she was, too. After hoping Yarwin dressed some of his more serious wounds, the lone surviving member of the regiment tells you that he will ride north to a larger outpost nearly 50 miles away and return here with a larger force to rebuild what the goblin onslaught has destroyed. It's, it's plain to see that the rugged warrior and master woodsman is deeply saddened by what befell those under his command. In a sense, he is not at ease about making the long trek north in his current condition. When he suddenly asks you to go with him, your heart sinks. To quickly tell him you're on a mission of dire importance and call you south, you cannot afford even the slightest delay. You understand, he says, nodding as he steps forward and meets you in the shoulder cross. Hope we might meet again, Zoop. Been my extreme honour to know even for such a short length of time. I wish you luck and success on your mission. With that, Yord painfully hurls himself into the saddle and rides off to the north, leading the third remaining horse along the side of, side of his rotting steed. Trotting steed! When <laughs> he's at last out of sight, you mount your horse and turn south. Under the bright, clear skies of a frigid, cheerless autumn morning, the unsettling smell of smoke still drifting through the trees, the nightmarish images of the previous night still flashing through your thoughts, you willfully assume your southward trek. Suddenly, as the small green ruins of the outpost are fading from view behind you, you're overcome by a powerful and eerie feeling you're being watched. Your pulse quickens as your eyes scour the road and the forest in all directions, desperately seeking anything either confirm or allay the fear that suddenly gripped you. Then, as swiftly as it arose, the feeling subsides, leaving you at ease, but mindful that your ability to effectively fend for yourself. Despite, mind you, that despite your ability to effectively fend yourself for yourself, you are, as is yawned, quite alone 
as you move through this desolate corner of the kingdom. That finishes this scenario with 2,048 experience to general and 256 experience to all skills and powers. Quite nice. And so the next time, it's the path to cards in part two. That's it. And there's... Oh, no, we haven't really got enough time to do that, so I'm going to save. And until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corian's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corian.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corian.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.